0: Hey guys, today's episode of Table 40 on the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network is presented by our Increase Store and our Bible in a Year Engagement Journal, which you should pick up your copy today, especially with Matt and Leslie going through the Bible in a Year. This is the companion that's going to help you, the guy that's going to help you through the passages of Scripture each and every day. You want to get this journal right now at theincrease.com theincrease.com, it's affordable and it's the perfect companion to help you grow in your faith and to stay connected to God through his word each and every day. The Bible in a Year Engagement Journal, get yours today at theincrease.com.
1: Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Table 40. Today, I am I deleted Matt from this conversation, but added my friend Don Christensen. And so uh, Matt's busy watching the kids uh, play baseball. It's baseball season around the holiday house, and so his schedule's a little bit wild. But Don um, is recovering from quite an injury, and so he, I just took advantage of that. And he's usually busy and running all over the place, but he's stuck. And I thought, you know what? I can't wait. I can't wait to gather some wisdom from Don, who kind of set us on this journey a long time ago with the bible engagement plan i actually want to ask you about that first and so talk to us about how this came about with you and adam and the bible engagement plan and it's just sort of taken off in the pro athlete world so let's discuss that real quick before we get started
2: well about 27 years ago a guy named dr bruce wilkinson A walked through the bible taught me how to journal through the bible and engage with the Lord every day. And I've been doing it for 27 years. A few years ago, we were at a PAO. Some of the guys said, Adam had me explain what I do every morning. And some of the guys said, hey, can we join you and do that? So it kind of started there. And I had designed a way of reading the Bible as a story, you know, chronologically through the Old Testament. And then through the New Testament, the dates the books were written, kind of what we estimate those dates. So you'd come up, you'd read as a story, the whole thing. So it's just a number of it's grown over the years where I always have about nine groups reading it with me each year and and you've got a group reading with you and just so helping out and it's just helping people don't do a check mark I read my Bible today no you want to go there with tremble trembling that the holy God of the universe is going to speak to you and reveal to you through those scriptures that's why we call it engagement it's not about reading it's about engaging with the holy God of the universe so
1: Yeah. And and it's been great. And there's been lots of uh, men and women over the years that have jumped on this text log. And so if there's anybody that wants to grab their journals, they can grab their journals at the increase.com and um, and go on a journey. And it's like you said, you can start now. I mean, we're about to get into Luke and just start with us beginning in Luke. And so I think that there's not the best time to start is right now. And right.
2: so <laughs> go where we're at. You don't have to go back. to be. Just go to where we're at right now. It'll start making sense. But the, when you do it together, too, you have some good comments of people and you can help people with questions that they don't um, uh, do. And you know what? We were talking about doing the, you know, it's like Matthew, we just finished Matthew 28 uh, a week ago. And, you know, Jesus said, go in, into all the world and make a disciple, make disciples and go. One of the great way of making disciples is reading through a Bible with them. Yes. And it catches everything in life you want to do
1: that's right that's right all right so here we go don we're on day 45 through 51 um and we're we're starting exodus and so let's talk a little bit about exodus and your 27 years of reading um through the bible in a year and doing the bible engagement plan um we're in exodus 15 through 28 43 so what are some highlights of this particular week that you would like to share with us because the book of exodus i love it and i have a heart for the old testament i mean i i love how it's written um i i can see just like uh just so much evidence of of the conflict that we have as as people and like our hearts and like there's one moment we're fully dedicated to the lord and we're like yes i'm doing this with you and then the next moment we fall away and it's like we forget who god is and who we are and um it's wild and to see it in scripture like this i think humanity is um on display when we read exodus and so we think how
2: fast how fast yeah we move to grumbling yes and moses was very clear all grum all complaining is you're if God is a sovereign God, that means everything passes through his hands. You're never complaining to another person, you're complaining to God. You just didn't do good enough. But these people, I go, Are you kidding me? They go, How do we know God's still with us? They go, You got that cloud in the morning and a fire by night. You got dead Egyptians all over the seashore. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> But that's what people people think. If I had a miracle, I'll believe. I go, no, you won't. No, you won't. Yeah. So, these people I had it in front of them, still they complained. And every next thing is, hey, they want to go back to Egypt. That's, that's the way people are sometimes. You know, it's just easier to go back where there's no opposition.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, like one of the, again, that was a big highlight for me this week is just the song of, Moses and Miriam. And here they are. They've crossed the Red Sea and they're super fired up about it. And they sing this really powerful song. And then, like you were saying, a couple minutes later, we have this grumbling. And then God's like, okay, I'm going to provide for you daily. We've got Manon. We've got Quell. And I'm, I'm, I'm God, and I'm going to do this crazy thing. And it was just this miracle that was obviously very evident. And it's a daily miracle, a daily reliance on the Lord. But yet here we go. We're still, we're still grumbling and questioning. And it's just. It is. It's it's uh it's really wild to read these stories. I, I wrote
2: my Bible right after the song when they circus cause right after the song of Moses, they grumble. I I said, what happened to the song?
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> where where they start singing, <laughs> just some more lyrics, different yeah. lyrics, <laughs> no That's doubt it. about it. And I think it, I just see myself in that too. You know what I mean? Like where where we have these mountaintop experiences with the Lord, and and then a couple weeks later that I get into this habit of. Of grumbling against the Lord which is sad and I repent of course but but it is interesting um it is interesting how we are as people
2: yeah but you can imagine well you're you're telling Moses to go out there and in a, in a three day in three days to uh, to exit exit a one probably about one point one and a half million people that's like emptying the city of Phoenix about one and a half about a half of them in three days what in the world do you do with all these people? You know, and that what is laid upon him is, I mean, the immense incredibleness, but it would take, it take about three days to get the children of Israel out of Egypt, but it would take 40 years to get Egypt out of the children of Israel.
1: Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, let's talk real quick about, to that point, because you're talking about managing a lot of people. We see in uh, chapter 18 about Jethro visiting Moses. And I think, I really like Jethro. I feel like I would have really wanted to, have a cup of coffee with Jethro and say, "Hey, why don't you throw some wisdom over my uh, over my way?" Because he seems like a really wise, fatherly figure, in the advice that he gives Moses. And so, I'm just curious what you've written in your journals over the years uh, when it comes to Jethro.
2: Well, it's at Jeff. You know, you can pick up good. You want to get good leadership skills. Just go through all of the Old Testament and New Testament. And you'll pick up great leadership skills. When I went to seminary, I did a master's in Christian leadership. That probably helped me more for my business as as much in business as it was leadership in the church i go jethro is this is how what delegation means moses you can't do everything yourself you've got to point other people where many people especially you'll see pastors in foreign countries they think they are the prophet priest and king and there's only one prophet priest and king but they try and do everything for everybody realizing Guys, right here it is. You are going to wear yourself out and the rest of these people. It is okay to pick good people and delegate this and spread the spread the the work out for everybody. So I Jethro has, you know, and it says, hey, it would pleased it pleased God and Moses. So mm. So. Yeah,
1: that's such a good point. I, I really enjoyed reading about Jethro, and I also uh, let's talk a little bit about the Ten Commandments, um, social legislation, and the Tabernacle. I mean, that's a that's a lot to talk about real quickly, but I do think it's important because the Ten Commandments um, is this is covenant that is a conditional covenant, and so you're a lot wiser than me. So, talk real quick about conditional covenant in Scripture versus an unconditional covenant in Scripture, because I do think that. It's so important for people that are reading the Bible to understand that the the Israelite people agreed to the terms of the covenant and like I will obey, I will obey, I promise I'll obey, and all of this stuff. And um, I I think that I would love to hear what you have to say about that because I think well, that's when, lost sometimes when right.
2: That's why when God, God made a covenant that 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 wouldn't be broken, He never made it with them, or He that couldn't be broken. He only made one covenant like that with Abraham. He said, No, Abraham, you go to sleep. I'll walk through all those body parts. I will signify. That's what you did when you signified and signed a covenant. You walked through those. God did that with Abraham. But when he gets to the children Israel, he says, okay, here's the deal. I will incredibly bless you. You will be my nation as a witness to other nations to show them what a, the God of the universe is like. He goes, but here's the deal. You obey me. If you don't obey me, I'm going to make it really bad for you. Mm -hmm. until you do. And eventually that covenant will go to somebody else, basically everybody, the new covenant. But um, the 10 commandments, you got to remember there, there are, there are the first four deal with your love for God. The last six deal with your love for your neighbor. And really, how do you control with these 10 commandments? How would you control 1.6 million people in the desert? That goes to your social uh, rules that he would have. You have to have something set up as how you treat your neighbor, or you will have absolute chaos and you will have revolution, uh, and you will have diver- uh, dividing everybody up. How do you do this together? And God says here, here's what will happen, and I expect these to be obeyed.
1: Yeah, 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 and I think that they agreed to it, too, and I think that that's something that sometimes missed whenever people are are thinking about the Old Testament, and thinking about, sometimes you hear this, right, that that the Old Testament God's so grumpy, I'm like, ah, he set a standard that that they agreed to. And he laid it out there and said, look, this is my expectation of how you are going to represent me as my chosen people. And they said, yeah, yeah, we got it. We got it. We'll do what you ask. And um, then, you know, and I just I think I appreciate as I was reading it this week, I think I I really started to appreciate the clarity that that God offers his people. And the clarity is, is this is a standard that um, I expect from you. And, and it's it, not hard. It's not, it's not hard. hard.
2: He just goes, hey, trust me. He warns you, you know, King Solomon throughout Proverbs warned about you cheat on your wife. You are bringing coals of fire on your lap. So when it says, hey, you know what? You do not covet your neighbor's wife. That is a need, you know, maybe their temptation is there, but you go, hey, that thing is good for you. Because what I've never met a man that cheated on his wife that ever was a happy person afterwards Mm -hmm. or anything. But you go, hey, these things all have to do with fairness and everything else. They make sense, therefore our best. God doesn't give us commands just so he enjoys being a harsh person. He gives commands because they protect us. Mm-hmm. And so it's out of love. So yeah.
1: yeah, that's good. And then we get to Exodus 21 and it talks about like Hebrew servants, personal injuries, um, and things of that sort. And I think it's just really important to understand like the context of all of this is, is social legislation. And um talk more about that a little bit too. It's just this was God's way of showing them how to apply the Ten Commandments to everyday matters that were actually going on during that time.
2: Yeah, and the social legislation a lot of times is, look, when you introduce law, it's because one side can't be trusted. That's mm-hmm. why it's called law. Because, and let me tell you, God knew the children of Israel could not be trusted to carry these things out. And that's why these legislations go through. It says, no, I'm going to tell you, because these things is what all these nations you're going to kick out of. The promised land. That's what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. He goes. I won't put up with it, and I'm going to give you. Because you go. Wait a minute. How can you go take the land from the Canaanites? I mean, look, it's their land. He goes. No, it's all my land. He mm-hmm. goes. But Good. you guys have lost it because of the way you act, and I don't want you polluting my people. But he says. So these laws. He go. That is exactly all those social legislation. Exactly what those nations were doing to each other. He goes. Nah. Uh. Uh-uh, not you. This is how you treat each other fairly. And
1: um, so that's good. And then we move on down to the tabernacle and all the details, all the specific details of the tabernacle. And I would love to hear you talk about that before we get into the New Testament.
2: My grandson, Tyler, just uh, uh, came over and he he said, Bopa, Exodus can be really rough reading through. (laughs) I go, Yeah, because you go, I have read all those details. 27 years. He kind of skips some of them, but I think what you get out of it is this. God is a God of beauty. He de- He is not saying, Hey guys, I told you to, I told him Abraham 430 years ago that you would plunder the nation that you were captive in. For one reason, you're going to take the very best stuff they have and you go, we're going to create a holy place for me to meet you with. And I, I think I told you earlier, Leslie, the only time God ever met with man, the last time he met with man was the Garden of Eden. How beautiful was that. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to meet with man again through you know through the whole priesthood system. So he goes, I want that tabernacle. Look, he ain't putting wood stakes in my tabernacle, you're putting bronze stakes.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, the
2: the ornate ways that he made the uh, uh Ark of the Covenant or the the altars and whatever and the beauty of the priesthood of the, of the thing. He goes, I am a holy God. I love beauty. And uh, he goes, no, this is not going to be Walmart specials. This is going to be the finest things there is. And, um, and you know, the other thing is that the people, what he wanted a contribution from them. He said, hey, I only want a contribution from your heart, not out of compulsion. He says, man, they've opened up their purse strings, says, because they didn't, they got it from plundering. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they should be giving it. So, Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's really cool. The Old Testament's great. I mean, I think it all points, you know, in the direction of Jesus coming. And um, and I do think like I I've read this once, and um, I should know, but we're not to Revelation yet. And I'll, but doesn't Tabernacle in the Old Testament and just the the details provided here point us towards the end when when we have um, the new heaven and the new earth?
2: Yeah, and the new and the new, and there won't be a need for a temple because God is with us. But it is, but the the tabernacle is like Moses was given a picture of it on the mountaintop. Just think how detailed God is. Sometimes if we don't give our best at our work and whatever, God is a God of excellence. And you can just see it in the details that he gives them. No, this is minute details. And then he says, and by the way, I'll give you the Holy Spirit will give you the skill to perform and to make these things. Mm -hmm. So that's
1: good. All right, let's talk about Matthew um, 28, 1 through 20. And um, I'll just let you go, like tee you up and let you go. Let's talk about Matthew 28, 1 through 20 before we get into the book of James.
2: Well, I I think the key is there is that Jesus is giving last minute instructions before he ascends. And he just says, hey, guys, I'm now giving, it's, I, you know, I've spent three years with you here. It's now your deal. I've put entrusted everything I have into you. And you go sometimes the the uh series the chosen is done a phenomenal job of showing how human these disciples were but they were god's god's plan and says hey go make disciples he doesn't say go evangelize that's the first part of discipleship but so much time is spent on that part of it rather than making a disciple and that's why a lot of things people don't grow in their faith and i just go Remember, go make disciples, teaching them what? To observe all things. That means time. You know, getting somebody to, uh, on a to do beach evangelism to say a prayer. I go, big deal. They said a prayer. Leslie, I've never found anywhere in the New Testament where someone said a prayer to receive Christ. Mm-hmm. It says, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And they expected behavior to follow belief. I go, it wasn't about a prayer. That could be a nice method. But this is about going, spending time to make a disciple of somebody, teaching them to observe all things. And he goes, and I'll be with you forever. He goes, and baptizing them. I always counsel people who haven't been baptized. Well, guys, how can you go make a disciple and teach them to observe all things? He said, baptizing them when you haven't been baptized. Mm -hmm. They go, you know, I don't think it's a condition of salvation. I go, but why wouldn't you? You're saved, got baptized. Quit making an excuse and go do what he told you to do. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's good. I love I love Matthew twenty eight one through twenty. All right, let's talk about James. And so the bulk of our reading this week was was uh, the letter um, that James wrote, or the book of James. And I think like what you were saying about belief and behavior, I think that that's what this book like. If you were to write a summary statement, um, he's basically encouraging you to say like whatever you believe, your behavior is going to follow. I read this quote um, by Saint Francis that says. Preach without ceasing if you must use words. And I think that that's what I think about when I think about um, the book of James is that um, behavior and belief are unquestionably tied together.
2: You know, the thing is that people ask me, they go, why did you put James so far up? I go, you have to understand, James was probably the first book, but it was at least the second book written Mm -hmm. uh, or letter that was written. It was written, no, James was not written to you and I, it was written for us james was written to a jewish population the hebrews in dispersion because of of the rapid persecution so james is this is the marine corps manual of christianity written by a man who was not a mature believer yet mm-hmm. this is what's at the beginning so when it sometimes comes across as harsh and a less graceful understand who he's writing it for he goes look people you say you're a believer there is an expectation for this you're a Jewish, you know the law, and you know, look at he wouldn't have written this to Gentiles because they didn't know who Abraham was. Mm-hmm. He says, Abraham said, you know, he, he was uh, uh, counted as righteousness, his faith, and faith without works is dead faith. So that sounds like, wait a minute, I can't work myself to no, he's not saying that. He's saying, though, if you have true faith, works will follow. Mm-hmm. If you have the spirit in you, it will follow. But I always love, you know, James was put in the back a lot of our new testament the design of of the structure of it was martin luther did and martin luther at the end of his life became very anti-semitic so he couldn't stand the book of james or hebrews so he pushed him to the back big mistake by a man but i go that's why i wanted to reorganize and I go because it makes more sense when you understand no this is before paul would develop a lot of the doctrine through it so when you see that, he's he's saying, you guys understand what obedience is. You understand, but hey, you know what? How you treat you rich people. Woe to you rich people. I go, uh-oh, here I'm feeling guilty again. They go, no, these rich people were taking advantage of poor people. There yeah. was a certain rich people that were Jewish rich people they understood. But Leslie, man, James, you can walk out of there not feeling saved.
1: Even. <laughs> yeah, I I, I just, I've, James has been one of my favorite Books for a really, really long time, and it—I think it does such a good job of of holding me accountable. Really, you know, and and I, I, I love, I love the book of James. I, I feel like it teaches us that really true wisdom only comes from the Lord, and um, I think that that's a challenge and a call to action. You know, to say, okay, where does my, where am I gathering my wisdom from? You know, and so because I I do think that what we believe and and what we value um action is going to follow those things
2: and so there's no questions. place there's no place in the new testament where faith is not mentioned where there's not action following it that's right. you, go, you know i've always given a definition of faith that faith is commitment before knowing if you know it it's not faith yeah i don't need assurance for what i know i need assurance for what i don't know faith is the assurance of things hoped for the evidence of things unseen hebrew says but you go faith is like that's why true faith behavior follows, which is automatically the works of true faith will automatically follow. That's why James is saying, Hey, look, you show me your faith by, uh, he goes, I'll show you my faith by what follows the fruit of the spirit is all these things of works, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and care for other people. He goes, it's not separate. It's hand in hand.
1: Yeah. 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 And it just talks about being doers of the word and, um, and when we hear this stuff, like, don't be afraid to do it. And I think that that's something that I even encourage the four kids is like, like um, everything in your life, you try to apply. We want this information application transformation kind of model and rhythm in our in all of our lives, especially when we're dealing with um, scripture. And and we want to be able to inform how we think by reading scripture. and But we also want to be transformed by the word of God. So let's be people that can listen to the word of God, but also be doers um, and do the things that God's asking us to do. And I think that that to me is that every time I read James, I think through that a lot, like what, how, how am I being transformed by the word of God? How am I doing this? You know, I think Francis Chan's one of my favorite teachers um, and just his simple approach to, Hey, I read the Bible and I do what it says. I mean, he's pretty consistent about that.
2: You read this Bible and engage with it long enough. It's like his kids have said before. He goes, it's like we popped out of the Bible, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We be, feel like, like we popped out of that Bible. That That is who we are. Going back to that one thing on the rich, I want to tell you something else because it, it really sounds like he's really after There were just the rich people that were oppressing, but he wasn't against rich people. Mm-hmm. He knew that they had to provide. If he was against rich people... There is no way that God would have allowed, allowed Abraham to come down from that mount of almost sacrificing Isaac, and still owned a small army of servants, all yeah. those cattle, all those sheep, all them. It had nothing to do with that. It has. Are you committed to me that you will use your wealth in in, in, in as an act of faith and say provide and help other people? So
1: yeah, I agree. I agree. I like that a lot. And so I think when we talk about chapter three, too, uh, James chapter three, talking about taming the tongue, I think that this is a um, uh, a very convicting couple verses in scripture. But also just there's such wisdom there. And like if we really took chapter three seriously, um, and you talk about being a disciple that makes disciples, when we look at Matthew 28, I think that this is a very important step: is learning okay. how to understand like how powerful our words are, and to really think through like if we're supposed to represent Christ and be a disciple of Jesus um, holistically, that that goes and makes disciples, we have to start in James three, we have to start learning how to tame our tongue and, and realize the value, um, realize how valuable our words are to people. And it's either going to move them towards encouragement, a place of growth, and, um, or it's going to, and it can really harm people the way that we speak um, to people and about people. And so I think that, James 3 is um, a really great place to start when you're trying to take it seriously to be a disciple that goes and makes disciples.
2: Our tongue is the number one thing that gets us into fights. Mm -hmm. It says things at times that brings people down when you could be encouraging them. And just little simple stuff of controlling your tongue or saying, hey, you know what, how do I encourage somebody rather than take them down? I got to tell you, you you, you mentioned my, I'm laid up. I mean, I I did a number on my ankle and breaking it and mm-hmm. have needing surgery on it and I'm pretty well you know very dependent upon my wife right now <laughs> and I'll tell you what she has done such a phenomenal job of being so patient and that just caused me to do the same thing of trying not to be impatient just seeing and it's just been a wonderful time together and watching and you because you watch your tongue when you're frustrated some mm-hmm. you know and that happens but I just go It can destroy so much in a marriage, the tongue, and you never get those words back. You can apologize, but you know, Leslie, you never get those words back.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate that James acknowledges how hard it is. Like I was raised on a ranch. My dad was a rancher. We had horses all the time. And it is crazy how we've got this big animal that's so strong and you have a bit that's really, really tiny, but you put that bit in that horse's mouth and you can move it and stop it and make it, you know, run, know that it, give it a little lead and it'll run really fast, pull it back. It's going to stop. It's going to turn to the left. It's going to turn to the right. And even a little girl at seven years old could control a huge, you know, horse because of a little bit. And I think that that illustration is just so incredibly powerful when James talks about that. And I think that he is a, such a good teacher and such a good leader where he's saying like in verse three, when we can put bits into a of horses and make them obey, you know? Um, and he's just talking about how our tongue is just this little bitty thing, but it holds the power of life or death, you know? And, um, I just I think it's and it's important for those of us that are trying to become more like Christ to really spend some time evaluating the things that come out of our mouth and repent when we need to repent and know that we're not going to do this perfectly but really strive to uh, make some gains in the in the words that we're choosing to speak or or not choosing to speak. Yeah. So I found that to be very valuable in my it's reading. A lot
2: of embarrassment. Yeah. Did I really just say that?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Like I, I, when I was writing in my journal this week about this, that you know, scripture talks about from the fullness of our heart, our mouth will speak, and I found that to be true a hundred percent of the time. And um, when I'm really positive and have a have a a good you know a good rhythm, I guess of of being positive, it is like a heart issue, you know. And when I'm negative, it's a, unquestionably a heart issue. And yeah. so um, it's so important to spend time um with the lord and then when you feel yourself getting on a negative track with the words or or hateful or angry or whatever it may be to be mature enough to take a step back and say i need to i need a minute i need to grab a cup of coffee and i need to pray and i need to get into the word of god and i need to reset kind of where this day is going
2: (laughs) i think as you mature as a believer you you know one of our favorite books is uh gentle and lowly so the only it's only so one verse in the Bible that speaks of Christ's heart, he says, "I'm gentle and lowly." You know, he, you know, my yoke is easy. Uh, come, ye who all were weary and heavy, heavy laden, about His heart, about the meekness of Christ and the humility. Is that you go? Humility will automatically watch its tongue. It says, mm-hmm. "I don't have to boast about myself. I don't have to take, be toxic, and take other people down." Hey, I'm satisfied with who I am in Jesus. And I don't have to win the argument and have the last word.
1: Yeah, that's good. And when in James chapter four, it talks about submitting ourselves to God. And again, that James chapter four is is just so, so important to read if we're going to start to take our spiritual formation seriously and boasting about tomorrow and, and is also in James chapter four. And I think both of those things, submitting to God and boasting about tomorrow, obviously go hand in hand if we believe that. God is sovereign, and He has all of our days. I I just think that, um, really, really starting to get into a practice of humbling ourselves, uh, before the Lord, submitting to God, and submitting to His authority in our life. Um, and I think naturally, the boasting about tomorrow will fall, will fall into that or underneath that posture. I guess. Um, I think it's just so important, and I know for me, like. Don, I've struggled with anxiety over the course of my life, like worrying about the future. I believe anxiety is you're you're worked up about the future. Depression is you're you're upset about what happened in the past. And sometimes I I get on this rabbit trail of the what ifs in my life and and can get kind of worked up. But I think that James chapter four can help reorient my mind and in my thought process to understand like if I'm gonna live a life submitted to God, um boasting about tomorrow is just not part of it and so and to be present in my day today and be grateful for the days that god has given me um and really have this mindset of in verse 15 it says instead you ought to say if it is the lord's will we will live and do this or do that and i think that that's such a good um and healthy way to approach life and so i'm very grateful it's in scripture it's helped me a lot over the years as i
2: one of the biggest things I know, and it's just, it, it is, is that, and he just, he, because he says, what is your life? You're here today and gone tomorrow.
1: Yeah.
2: Make the most of, between that birthday and that death date, you want to make the most and don't waste your life. And part of it, he lays up here about, with the whole thing on worldliness, he goes, you cannot be friends with the world and God. Yeah. Lukewarmness makes God sick to his stomach, according to Revelation, the Laodicean church. People who are, he goes, look, you can't love the world and its system. But you go, what is worldliness? You know, is it, you know, do I have to be a, a nun in a convent? Or is it, I don't think that's what he's talking about. He goes, worldliness is this that God is there. He knows I have to live in the world, but I don't have to act like it or like its system. And I go, and, and part of knowing the scripture is that, hey, I go to here for where I want my opinions from, not to the world. Yeah. You can't go to both. He goes, hey. Don't try and play me off against them. I always say, you know, show me in scripture if you want to tell me something that I've never heard before. I go, well, let's go find that out first. Yeah. I, go, I don't care what the world thinks. Yeah. Just the world tells me to have as much debt as I want. I go, but the bar, the Bible says the borrower is slave, the lender instead it's mm-hmm. bondage. So yeah. if I want so who's who am I going to go to? The world or to God?
1: Yeah. I was actually. Uh, we were in church this weekend. We went down to Dallas to watch Oklahoma State play um, Arkansas, which you know wasn't the best game we've ever been to. It didn't <laughs> turn out too well for the Oklahoma State fan. But uh, we set. We went to Matt Chandler's church, who's a who's a friend of the family, and um, and he had it, such a good message on Sunday. And he was talking about what you're talking about about how truth is fixed. And, um, and, and Jesus says, I'm the way I'm the truth and I'm the life. And nobody comes to the father except through me. And so orienting our lives towards the truth is found in scripture. Scripture is trustworthy and, um, and we need to know it and understand like, that's what we're conforming to. Like, you know, we're becoming more like truth. We're becoming more like Christ. And so, and it's a, it's a fixed standard. And I, I loved how he said that instead of. Um, looking to the world for our identity, looking to the world for different opinions or, or about how we should live, that we really do need to get into a practice of going to scripture. Um, and we really,
2: are, our purpose in life is to seek after God. Yeah. It doesn't say to find God, it says seek after him. Yeah. I think great. sometimes I need to find God. I go, no, you don't. And you'll never find God. You're told to seek after him. He'll find you, but he'll bring you along enough. And that's what James says in four. He goes, He goes, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Yeah. The the key is everything in life is this. I want more of God. The more I, the older I get, I don't want more money. I don't even want more time. I want more peace. I want more of God and just whatever he can give me and offer me. And out of that will come all the other stuff.
1: Yeah. That's so good. And then, like, we should talk about this too. In James 5, it talks, I mean, it talks about warning to, Rich oppressors, which we've discussed, and patience and suffering, um, which again we've read Job already through the Bible engagement plan. And so I think when we're when we look for a model of patience and suffering, it is good to look back at the book of Job and and James mentions Job in here. But I think that something I wanna I wanna talk about before we jump into the very first part of Luke that ends today's reading um is the prayer of faith. And I think oftentimes. Something that I've observed, and obviously haven't lived as long as you have, but I do know that we've probably seen the same things, is that Christian? Uh, the Christian undervalues community. And I feel like we need to do a better job of seeking community. And when I read the prayer of faith, I, I, it seems to me that James is saying like, look, if there's anyone among you that's in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And it seems to me that he's closing this letter with this charge of, let's not do this alone. Like the Christian faith is for a community of believers to where we're going to navigate. Like you were talking about like our birthday to our death day, this, there's a lot of life in between and we need to navigate the highs and lows of life with a community of believers that are, that are, that are moving in the same direction to try to be more like Jesus. And so I don't know what I read spiritual, that. The, spiritual I
2: gifts, the Bible says in, uh, that the spiritual gifts are given as the spirit wills. They're given in diversity. They're meant, no one has all the gifts. Yeah. because we wouldn't work together then it forces us romans 12 talks about those gifts in romans 12 and none of them are the sign miracle gifts they're the gifts of where it's helping others using my gift to serve other people and you go because the christian life was not meant to be lived alone Yeah, it was meant to be lived in community using our gifts with each other you know it says don't many become teachers because you're gonna be there's gonna be a stricter a stricter judgment to those teachers. I always say, if you're going to disciple somebody, you better disciple them right. Because mm-hmm. you're going to be held accountable for it. So you go. That's why you engage with your Bible every day. Yeah, that's you right. Know, this is how the Lord's chosen to speak to us in this time. Yeah. And uh, and through each other, uh, and and learning together, and, and and encouraging each other to grow in their faith and their maturity.
1: That's good. That's good. Yeah. And I think a lot. And and I would love to share this before we jump into the. Uh, the first chapter of Luke. But talk a little bit about your friend Dave. So when I read when I read Luke or James 5, I thought about you and Dave. And like you guys have had such a cool friendship. Matt and I talk about it a lot about you all do this together. Like when you're happy, you talk about how happy you are. When you're sad, you've got this brotherhood connection that is the foundation is is Jesus and you walk together and you're with each other in in the good times and the in the challenging times in life and i love that and i i think it's so important for people to seek out those types of friendships
2: yeah and you know sometimes you go when dave dave and jan Dravecki first moved here uh uh two or three years about two years ago i you know i've been uh chairman of dave's board since for 30 years and you know dave had the great story of losing his arm uh, losing a major portion of his arm and coming back and pitching in the major leagues and winning before he lost his his left arm to cancer but walking Dave, when Dave first moved up here with us, um, you know, he started where I never had one of my best friends live close by. And the first concern was, God, are they gonna take a lot of our time? Are we gonna be because that's you know, I I had to, you know, and I think they thought the same thing, but it has become such a unique thing. We we hike five miles. We're not doing that right now, but we hike usually five miles together every day and uh five days a week and lift three days a week. We never Dave's been reading this thing with me for years and and he leads groups of people do also but we never get tired of just talking bible
0: mm-hmm. or
2: talking life or what he's going through and we've come to a, a love i mean let me tell you when i was i a couple weeks ago i was on a trail out there and i broke my ankle twist i broke it i snapped in three places and i mean i couldn't it was a wobbler one of the first guys that i called was dave javecki and my grandson's one of the first guys out on that trail about 40 minutes later was Dave Dubecki and those guys, Th- that's just love and a brotherhood that, and Christian fellowship that people have that I go, I'm not sure. Sometimes we can get so caught up in ministry. We don't experience it. Mm-hmm. Pastors are some of the loneliest people I know sometimes because they really are afraid to have community in the congregation, but you can't live without it. You can't live this life alone.
1: No, no, no. And, and the Bible is very consistent about pushing like hey let's do this together let's do this together and so there's a response individual responsibility of course like with our intimate relationship with jesus but there's a communal element of the church that sometimes is missed and and it's just not something that should be overlooked in our lives if we're pursuing christ we really do need to um, hook up with with people that are also pursuing christ yeah you bet All all right so when we look at luke we'll close here so i love luke i'm super fired up luke is and I would be friends. I'm certain of it. Um, and so I think we look at the introduction um, and, I, and one of my today I was I was reading this and Luke one verse four says he's, he's writing this introduction. And then he says, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught and what just the word certainty just gives me so much comfort because he's writing this and he's saying you can be sure um beyond a shadow of a doubt that the things that I'm going to write to you about Jesus Christ are absolutely true now, and, there are
2: eyewitnesses. and he says eyewitnesses. there are many yeah. I would but, but Leslie think about this Luke was probably a lot of his sources would have been maybe have been Mark and a few other ones like that that his source Luke was not there mm-hmm. you know with, he wasn't one of the disciples he was Greek he was a doctor a physician he also was a good historian But he wrote a careful account so he says look but he wrote it to one guy a one man that what love for a man to say so you could have certainty i'm going to do this investigation write the book of luke and the book of acts they're companion books Mm -hmm. of this whole movement And and it's like guys this is true this is like this isn't some giant leap of faith this happened. There are five hundred witnesses to the resurrection of Christ. Mm-hmm. He goes so you could have certainty. But Satan's going to try and steal that seed along the the path every time, and saying, hey, "Look at the children of Israel had certainty. They saw dead Egyptians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they saw the sea close." But you go, it quickly falls back into apathy. But you—that's why we keep reading it because you that's know the Bible says that there's one filling. Where there's one baptism of the spirit, but there's many fillings because we leak. And I go, I need to continually be filled up. And that's how you in reading things like Luke over and over, man, just I want certainty and I want it the rest of my life.
1: Yeah, it's good. And we see the birth of John John the Baptist is what we read about today um, in the first like five through 25. And again, I, I think this is such an incredible story. John the Baptist is also one of my very favorites in scripture. And um, I just see a
2: question. Let me ask you a question. Yes. When Zechariah questions the most anointed angel in heaven standing before him. Well, how can I know this be true?
1: Yeah. I mean, who's
2: standing in front of you? There's an angel.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And his main guy, the main deliverer of the messages is Gabriel. It's not some angel we haven't heard of. Yeah. But
2: this this guy isn't in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. This dude's probably in a shining glory. I go, I, I hopefully I could believe that if that was happening to me.
1: Yeah, I know. I love it. I love the word of God. It's so it's so incredible. But I do think that um, I do think that's crazy. And again, like like just glimpses of the authority of God, and you see it just in that dialogue right there in verse eighteen. It says he's like, "How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, Am I and my wife, he, and like he's trying to to uh, I guess like he forgets that god does the impossible and and gabriel's thinking standing in front of him like you said and he's like what what are you talking about and he says well i'm gabriel and i stand here in the presence of god and i've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news now you're going to be silent until i tell you you're not going to be silent and i think like you want proof (laughs) yeah and i think that that's so cool and like it, it gives you more confidence and certainty that um that God can be trusted. And I, and I just appreciate the authority that we see in Gabriel in this instance, but that's representing God. He's like, um, I don't know. I I just, I like that. I I love the word of God. And I think for me um, on this journey, I've just really appreciated the power of God. You know, I mean, obviously there's so many things that we can learn because the word of God's alive and active. But for me, it's just, I think I'm just gaining more confidence in God as a father, understanding just how sovereign he is and, and powerful that God is. And I've I've really enjoyed God,
2: God, yeah. What God wants you to do is say, you know what? You know, you you if you go through and say an, into a seminary course on the authorship of Luke, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of arguments. Did Luke write this? Was it revised in the second century? I go, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a point as a believer, you cross that line and saying, I don't care what you humans who are caught in time and space on a rebellious planet are going to tell me. I don't care what you think. Mm-hmm. I'm going, I'm in and I'm not going back. I'm yeah. going with them and I'm going, it's Luke. I'm yeah. good with Luke.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So I know. That's,
2: your faith. that's what God wants. Faith is a little child. Yeah. I don't need anybody's proof. I'm just going with Luke.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love Luke. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what we're going to learn um, this week as we go through the Bible engagement plan. And again, we're, we're going to close here, but, um, we would love for you to go on this journey with us. I'm doing my best to post on Instagram every single day. Some days I'm just not. So then I'll double up a couple days, but I read it. It just takes a while to gather your thoughts, you know, and you've been doing this a long time, but you gather your thoughts and you post it. And I don't know. I mean, um, it's, it's hard to do that every day, but I've so enjoyed engaging with the word of God, engaging with the Lord, um, in my time in this through walking through this Bible engagement plan. It's been great. I've loved it so far. I mean, That's day right. 51, you know, we're getting there. Yep, we're getting there. <laughs> there. Don, this was great. I would love for you to substitute for Matt anytime.
2: <laughs> anytime, anytime you want to do this, just let me know. Um, especially the next six weeks where I can't put any weight on this foot. Uh, hey, I'm here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have to take advantage of your friendship over the next six weeks I, and I uh, record
2: the Yeah, you
0: know, yeah. I love that.
1: Yep. This is awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories on sports intersecting with faith, visit sportspectrum.com.